What's up you guys, it's Miami Knight, your Master Grief Educator and Trainer coming to you today with a very anticipated story, um, if I would have to say so myself. Um, I've been waiting to interview this family, which often you hear me say um, in interviews in regards to losing um, Taiki. When I talk about the initial shooting from 2011, I often say Taiki was critically injured in an incident that claimed the life of his best friend. Well, we have the family members of the best friend, which is Key Andrick Abrams. Yes, say his name, Key Andrick Abrams. His family is here today to share how they are still processing the loss of their son, nephew, and grandson. So please welcome them and um, just enjoy and, and listen to how, since 2011, how they've tried to make sense of their loss and how they're still dealing with what grief looks like for them. Stay tuned. <laughs> And welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. Today on the show, we have very uh, we have three very special guests um, regarding the remembrance of Keandrick Abrams, and this is called the family interview. I have today Mother Sandra Robinson, grand grandmother Latibia McCray, and also Latibia Lop. How are you, ladies, doing? We doing fine. Thank you so much, so much for being here. I'm going to jump right into our interview. And I wanted just to talk about on December 17th of 2011. So can you share the story of Keandrick and what happened and how did your family become a homicide survivor of a victim of a violent crime? Okay. Uh, on December 17th, 2011, my son Keandrick Abrams was shot twice in the head on his way to see my grandmother at Baptist Hospital. The last remembrance of him was he had just came home bringing me something to eat and we sat at the table to eat and a friend came in and told him they was finna leave. And he asked me to do a little two-step dance for him. And we stood up and did a little two-step dance, which he doesn't dance much at all. So that surprised me. And he left, and that was the last time I seen him alive. Thank you so much, Sandra, for sharing that. Um, I'm going to go right into his aunt. Um, can you share a little bit more of what happened on that evening? Let's take you. Um, I guess so on December 17, 2011, right after he left his mom. I met up with Keandrick and Taiki, and I was talking, to, we were actually talking about school because daddy was planning on going to Georgetown for January because he had not too long graduated and got his GED, and he wasn't even there a week, so we talked about that, and we talked about science and stuff like that, and I said, well, I'm going to go, you know, sit up there with grandmama for a little bit and that was the last time I actually seen him alive but I talked to them you know in between that time when they were saying that they were going to Addis Court and they'll be right there so from Addis Court to Baptist Hospital is like a five minute drive and it actually took them longer 
And in the hospital room was me and my mom. We was talking to my granny and we kind of found out some bad news about my grandmother that day that she had um, colon cancer and with blood clots and stuff, they basically told my mom that they couldn't do nothing else for her, which my mom was her caregiver. So that was kind of like something we already was dealing with at that moment. And I was gonna spend a night at the hospital. So I told them, you know, while me and mom go home and bathe, y'all come up here and sit with grandmama since y'all right around the corner. So I was calling them and texting them and calling and texting from Taiki phone to daddy phone. I was like, and then I did get angry. I kind of cussed them out. That's what they auntie do sometimes to get them together. But um, I just never thought that something had went on with them of that nature. And we were getting ready to leave and the hospital said, Everybody go back to where you, what room you were in. The hospital is on lockdown. And I said, what the hell they got to do with us? You know, and not knowing it had so much to do with us. And me and my mom, we still kind of walked down to sneak out because we were like, man, we gotta, we gotta get back up here. You know, and the longer we sit up here, the longer we, don't go home and get the bathe and come back up there. So we end up sneaking outside and we seen a whole bunch of polices. I got in my car and I said to my mom, oh my God, that's that car that daddy and Donk was in. And how she is, no, it's not. Don't be saying that. You don't know what's going on. And it was just so crazy how majority of my families that's close to each other were like in the area. Chandra was right there at Barnes, which is a three minute drive. My cousin Kiki then was like three minutes away going from the left side of Baptist. It was just crazy how everybody was in that area. And once we got around and I said, um, sir, can you tell me what's going on? My nephews was in this car, but I'm thinking that maybe they have did something wrong, got on a high speed chase or something. That's all I, that's what was in my mind at the at the moment, you know? And then he said, we have one dead and one in critical condition. And I said, oh my God, like, what do you do when you hear that? You, you know, you don't know what to do and once Chandra pulled up and her youngest son Dave pulled up and I and at that moment when I looked towards the car I seen daddy's belt and how I remember the belt always because I always mess with them about those cheap looking belts from out of those pants um you used to get from the flea market the cargo pants and I and I I just my I never felt this feeling before in my life. My body just shut down. I fell to the ground and I just kept screaming his name. I kept saying, Daddy, Daddy. And and Shandra was like in shock. Like she said, 
basically don't say that you don't know that's him and i said chandra it's his belt and then i look you know my mama jumping up and down screaming and i'm like basically like the rock like i hold everybody down i be strong at that moment i didn't have no strength for nobody and and for me through the whole ordeal that's what kind of hurted me the most because his baby brother was there crying i'm watching everybody but my i'm on the ground I, I can't do nothing but reach for him, hoping that, you know, he was would reach back and say, you know, auntie, I'm okay. Or, and that's like one of the most, like of that night, the worst memory of it all. Like just me calling out to him and, you know, he's not speaking back and I couldn't hold my mama. I couldn't hold my sister, my other nephew. Like I couldn't be that rock that I am. Yeah. And that really like just still to this day tearing me up. Yeah, yeah. You guys, uh, we all have a such a connection between the two of these boys. And I just thank you so much as a family of coming on and, and talking about this because I think and, and not that I only think I know with sharing your story, giving you all the opportunity to share it, and I'm sure you've probably shared it plenty of times, but I would love to see you guys um, be able to honor Keandrick so much more on a different platform for other families because other families need to see, you know, how you guys were able to overcome this, even though there's still all of these um, emotions that we have inside about them. Um, you, you, with this program, I'm sure someone else will have the ability to say, you know what, they did it so we can do it. Because a lot of people are afraid to share their story at any given point, no matter where you are um, within your life. I do feel that we all have a voice on, on the, you know, down on the inside of us that needs to be shared with others. Because there's how many times have you heard since the shooting of Keandred and, and, and Taiki, how many um, families have been affected by gun violence? so many right, right yes. and it kept happening after Tykeenum was shot right it, it yes. happened so many so many times I remember when I was there um when he was um not was released from um ICU and then went into the rehab program it was week after week after week like three or four times a week and I just hadn't known that Pensacola had had gotten that bad um because you know I wasn't there that often but um and it's still happening it's still going on and I just do truly believe that your story is going to be able to to give hope and light to some other family because you have decided to, you know, show up and share it here with us today. So outside of me talking about what happened in this crime, which I will get into um, later, but let's learn about who Keandra um AKA little daddy. So if you, you guys hear us, um, Grief Nation listeners, if you do hear them say daddy or little daddy, that's Keandrix, um, AKA um, Tyke is also Dunk. He is also Mr. Slug Mode. So <laughs> they have special, they have all these special names. Um, but I would love for each of you to share who Keandrick was outside of this tragedy. Um, and what was his childhood and teen years like? Well, to me, when I first hear Keandrick, he was four months old and I fell in love with him. I was, and I'm not ashamed that I was in federal prison at the time he was born. And I came to my aunt's funeral, uh, June the 4th, 1994, 
to see her put to rest her hunger on services. And I held Keandre, they let me come home. And I held Keandre for the first time in my arms. And I fell in love with him. And yes, everybody told me that he's my favorite grandchild. <laughs> like they say, you're not supposed to have no favorite, but we do. <laughs> and I'm not the only one. A lot of people keep their head, but we do have favorites. And it was just something about him. You know, he always had a smile. He was very compassionate. And I saw a side of that when they were staying with me and I had to call the ambulance one night to come and get his mama, Chandra Robinson, because she suffered sickle cell disease. And he started crying and he tore that face up looking ugly, <laughs> crying about his mama. He said, he's so tired of him coming getting his mama, you know, her being sick. And that showed me a different side. He was younger then. So no matter what a person may look like to another person, until you really know the depths of their heart, then you can understand who they are. Absolutely. You know, and he was he was a quiet person. He loved to sing and rap him and all Taiki. And I love Taiki too. He's my grandbaby too, you know. Yes. And uh, it still hurts today. I just went to see him. I talk, tell people that I go, I go put flowers on the grave often. I just went to see them again with my son, my mom, and all them. And I put flowers on all their graves because this is just me, you know, and I want everything to look nice. Like they looked nice when they was walking around. I want their place of rest to represent how they looked it in life. Absolutely. And it hurts, you know, and I really don't have the words to say, but tell them just take each day at a time. And it's nothing wrong with crying. It heals and it helps. And I'm, I still cry. I cry a lot at night by myself. Yes. And I'm a private person. I don't want nobody in the house with me while I'm doing it. Because I don't want nobody telling me, uh, patting me and not giving me no encouraging words, but feeling how they're feeling, but they don't know how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's a different thing. But I thank my children here who are a pillar and a strong force with me, you know, and thank God, you know, first of all. Yes, ma'am. And you. I thank you also. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. I'm I love your strength. Thank you. And I'm wondering where did you get it from? <laughs> uh, I just, I'm sure it's, it's, it's um, really, I truly believe that um, out of all the things that I've experienced, even outside of, you know, losing Taiki, um, I just think that this is what God, this was my assignment, you know, to help others and to um, do exactly what I'm doing with you guys today. Um, because I just still see, and I'm not going to let this go. I still see you guys on another platform sharing your story to other people so that they can heal from this and, and be able to talk freely about their loved one. Because I think a lot of that, you know, um, well, what I do know is a lot of holding our grief in, you know, it physically does something to us inside. So this gives an opportunity for, like I said, so many other families to come forward. It gives an opportunity for you to feel more freely about talking about. And I know, and I know you guys do anyway, not saying that this is going to make that much of a difference, but it's, um, it really will help others see you know, what all that you have experienced and that they ha can have the opportunity to be able to do the same. 
um, just by you guys showing up today and saying, yes, you know, we, we want to do this as a family. And I, my hopes is that more families do come forward to do it. And Mm -hmm. also, um, Mm -hmm. it's ironic because the um, daddy came to the house that Thanksgiving before Mm -hmm. that December, because Chandra normally picks his place when he don't come to family functions. But that time she told him she wasn't going to fix it. He got to come and get it. And uh, it was at my home and everybody was there. And guess who showed up? Keandre, Daddy, Abrams. And that was a surprise, you know, because he, he, he's a private person. You know, he don't like really big family gatherings and things, which he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he loved him and Taiki. That that was the, from birth. <laughs> that was them too. Yeah, because uh, we had we um, had them two days apart. Right. We were at the hospital at the same time. <laughs> I, I'm sure right. Was, you know, back then you was in the hospital for at least a week. So I'm sure, Shandra, we was on probably on the same floor. Um, not even. No, twins. Like... We call them the twins. <laughs> right, and, right. And I also have pictures of him at school at Hallmark Elementary. I still have those pictures. And Daddy got his head on Dunk's shoulder. Oh. Daddy had down Dunk hair. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just so blessed. I'm memories. so blessed to have have had you all as you know you're just like the three angels uh, uh for my life for my sons for me not being and i tell that story all the time i didn't raise taiki he was raised by his father in a, in a in a community like it says it takes a village to raise a child and i i, I really look um, not only to just myself of being a part of his life, but it was his father, it was you all, it was his aunts and other uncles. And, you know, he had such a big support system. Um, but I know you all had played such a significant role in his life. But I also want to talk about Keandrick's like legacy. Did he have children and his siblings? Yes, two daughters, the same age. <laughs> um, one of them lives with me. I take care of her. Yeah. What's her name? Kimaria Abrams. Okay. Um, that's what kind of helped me a little bit, knowing that I was gonna have to, you know, take care of her, because I really don't know why we at right now. Like it was hard. Now, what, she wasn't born yet when he passed, or, or was she? No. Okay, okay. okay. So neither one of them was born okay. when, when he was murdered. Okay, all right. Now, talk to me about young uh, Kendrick. Who was he um, to you, Mom? He was my firstborn. He was... Everything like he was just always a protector and always looked out, even for his younger brothers. You know, that's why it was so hard for just so hard for them as it was for me. They all it was always us, me and my three boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they looked up to him so much, they wanted to be him, baby, we like him. And what are the siblings' names? Ecorn Forehand is one. Is my middle child. And my younger, his name is Baby Young Motri. 
And I'm sure they miss their brother. I, I know they do. Yeah, and Davion was 12 at the time. He was at, he was the one that was with me and with us at the crime scene. Mm. And Equal was 14 at the time, so like it was real hard on them. Like, really, really hard. I'm so sorry that this happened to your family, happened to um, Taiki. You know, Taiki just loved him. Um, not yeah, that, I mean, that was my baby, too. Oh, like, I love that boy. I, I, let me tell you, I found a letter the other day because um, I have it on my uh, uh, have it on my altar. And it, it talks about, it says, Dear Mama. So not only am I the only person in this letter, he talks about me, he talks about my mother, he talks about you, and he talks about his aunts. So all of these women were his moms. So, um, and he talks about the, um, the severity of how each of him, each of us took care of him. And I mean, his, I, I can barely read some of the writing, but um, it's such a great sentiment to how many women that was a part of his life. And I had found the pictures that Miss Locke, when you came to visit Taiki here in Atlanta, I found them, but uh, something happened to my to my um, SD drive. So I'm trying to get them back. So I'm hopeful that um, uh, the, the, um, I actually sent it to Geek Squad to get fixed. So I'm hoping that they'll be able to retrieve those photos for me. But Miss Locke, please share with us um, the lifestyle of um, Keandrick, um, little daddy being in the music industry. Can you talk about that a little bit? Okay. So, and one day we were um, at Chandler House when she stayed on Young Street, and it was all it was all of them there. Um, it was Daddy Donk Taiki. I called his name twice because I <laughs> love them boys so much. It was uh, Bossa, um, Doodle, uh, Casey, Equan, Dave, all of them, and. They were saying and, and lie. They were saying that they were gonna go to the studio, and I said, "Well, y'all going with Dunk or whatever." And I made a joke, you know, to say that Dunk is the only one that know how to rap. Uh -huh. So, um, at that moment, Daddy started bobbing his head with his head down or whatever, and he just started saying. Long nights up on a block, it started off with a rock. And I said, hold on, is that don't, you know, he said, no, until this me. And he opened his paper <laughs> and he went word from word Aww. with his rap or whatever. And he said, how do you think I should come in or whatever? I said, well, I'm not a rapper. So maybe you can ask don't to help you Format and don't say, listen, leave it how it is. It sounds hard. But at the end of it, they switched it and he started it another way. And the way they had it, that was their first song. And it means it got so much meaning behind just the title because of the situation, you know? Mm -hmm. And it says, Fuck friend, we about business. All this talking ain't with it. Yeah, we know around the city, get money cut though committed. And they story is that title. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I say, even though I have an older nephew, 
which is my brother's son. So he didn't really grow up around us. Daddy was like my first nephew, you know, in house because I'm always was with my sister. Yeah. And daddy was like the crybaby. She hate to hear that, but he was a crybaby. <laughs> he was a crybaby when he was little. But as he got older, I thought I was the protector. Daddy was literally the protector. Like, yeah. People couldn't even like say nothing wrong to his mama, say nothing wrong to me, even his friends. None of his friends, if they was in school and something went on, daddy was right there for his friends. Neither one of them boys was bullies or nothing, but they didn't let nobody mess with them at all like absolutely and he like my nephew's spirit like they got me in them so much and his two younger brothers looked up to daddy so much like daddy was their big brother but he was like their daddy he was like all both of their best friends and like for them life completely changed for them because they they basically they daddy they big brother they best friend he was gone they protector was gone right you know what, what i'm is- saying then the next person in line was dumped and he wasn't the same anymore you know what i'm saying so that took a toll on not just them but everybody but for the most part, because boys, they don't like to talk about it. They don't express. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We try to be that if you need to talk, come talk to us. But a lot of times it, it don't, you know, it don't. In the black community, people are scared to talk about their mental health and go to therapy and stuff like that. So with them, they still need an outlet. They still need. I wish they could have been here as well, you know, to give, to get some of that off their chest because they still, you know, go through it. And I'm just glad that you do have this for people like us, you know, because this never, ever gets better. Like, yeah, all I do is try to keep their memories alive, share pictures, I write on their pages. It's just a lot of stuff you really have to do to stay sane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of people don't understand it i I truly appreciate you talking about the mental um health part of it and what's happening in our community and how we don't talk about it and how we don't go and seek you know support um in those areas so what are some of the emotional and physical reactions um that each of you um had over time um due to the loss of keandre and Chandra, you can start out because I know you already suffer with something, but were there any other physical or emotional reactions to you um, in regards, of course, to losing him? Let me ask you this. Any other cycles of grief, which there are, of course, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the um, uh, um, the depression, the um, acceptance. Can you speak on any of those um, pieces of, of the emotional um, grief cycle? I was like, it was like I wasn't there for a while. Mm-hmm. I was in bed 
you know, mama would tell me, you know, try to get up out of that, you know, slump on me and try so I can at least like get up and be me again. But it wasn't as easy. It, it was it, it was hard. Yeah. And like I said, that grandbaby would help me get out of it, but still, I mean, I still have my days now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as often, but I still have them. Yeah. You know, I, I the cemetery, even though I be wanting to go, but I can't. Every time I go, I break down. Like, it's, 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 it's just too hard. Like, I couldn't even, I went to the funeral home. Me and my sister and then his father came and to try to plan, you know, and make arrangements. And I left out when we started talking about arrangements or whatever. I went back in and sat out for a minute. Then when we left, I never went back. Yeah. I didn't make one arrangement. I didn't purchase nothing. I, didn't, I couldn't even tell you what nothing came from for the funeral. I don't even remember half of most of the funeral. I don't remember maybe two things about the funeral when his friends spoke and when um, these three girls had wrote a song for him and they sung it in rap. Because during my brother's funeral, my mama had someone, just two people to sing that she know. And I enjoyed they sang it. I asked her, would she, you know, find them? And she told me they had sung it. Dad and my grandma at the funeral and I didn't even know it because I just wasn't there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I remember coming to the house to see you guys. Um, and I don't even remember you coming to see me. Yeah, I, I came to see you guys. Um, Taiki was still in ICU at this point, and um, we came over, and I had, and this is a truer feeling. I, I don't know if I ever had shared this with you, but I felt so guilty. I really did. I felt so guilty that I'm coming to, con- you know, be there and show my condolences because your son passed and my son was still living. And I felt this such this weight of guilt of coming to even see you, to talk to you. And we didn't, I don't think we all, we, we probably didn't have a lot to say. We just, you know, we were just there holding space and, you know, hugging each other. And, you know, is there anything I can, you know, the, the, all of the things that you do when you go visit family. Um, and we did that and we sat there for some time, but I would just remember having such this guilt of Taiki was alive and, um, and Keandrick was dead. I, I mean, we are, we are, we are supposed to be okay with whatever feelings that we have. But that was just true to one of the feelings that I initially had um, as a mother coming to support you. Um, and my son had lived. So um, I don't know if I had ever shared that with you, but I, I do want to just share that. But it's a part of life. It's a part of grieving. It's a part of, you know, not knowing what to do or what to say. It was, it was, you know, it's a real emotion of what I had, but because I just felt all this weight on me because we still didn't know, you know, how well Taiki was going to be after, um, you know, after um, his whole battle of being in ICU for, which was a short period of time, but yet we just still was unsure of how his brain was going to um, react um, to the surgery. So I just needed to share that just because I don't know if I ever even told you that, but it's it's okay for us to feel whatever way that we feel. I had to, you know, over time, I had to 
just um, acknowledge every part of my grieving process to say, you know, it's okay that I felt that way. Um, why did I feel that way? I have no idea, but I, I, I'm, I'm sure it just was because one child was dead and one child was alive, you know, and, and, and then to see you all still so, um, so much hope um, there still for the fight for Taiki when Taiki was in ICU, which just, you know, it, 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 you guys were so supportive to me at the same time, but just in that moment, I felt so much guilt. Um, but to see everything that had transpired, transpired after that, you also lost your mother, right, Miss um, Miss Tippy? And I'm gonna call her Miss Tippy too. Yes, I lost her this next Saturday after uh, the day of that incident. At day of that incident, it was December 26. I brought her home because there was nothing they can do for us. So I brought her back home with me. So she spent her last days, you know, around family and love. And so when we, I was getting planning daddy's film, and I ended up planning dad, and I couldn't go through two separate films. And thank God that daddy and her was members of the same church, Mount Zion Baptist Church, and, and daddy and uh, Sandra, other two boys got baptized at the same time. And um, they was members, so I ended up, you know, doing that together. And um, I had to, you know, do what I had to do, you know, for the arrangements, me and Ms. Locke, and then I did, wrote the program out and get the people the same because I love good music. I don't like no dead music, mm -hmm. you know. And so I got my friends together who I knew and had them come yeah. and do what they had to do. And it was a joyous occasion, but a sad occasion, you know. And all this, and that's one reason why I used to usher. And I had not ushered no more since that occasion, uh, January the 2nd, January the 6th, 2000. And 12, because those two caskets was in the front of the church, and you know, and I couldn't do it. Yeah. I just stopped ushering. Yeah. And everything. And um, after 61 years, now I've rejoined. I was in Mount Zion for 61 years. So I'm now rejoined. I went to another church, St. John Divine. And I'm uh, a member of that church now, and I'm enjoying it. I love that saint. I love Pastor Marshall also. He bring the word through songs and praise, and he bring the word through teaching. So I'm trying to do my best and stay focused, but it is very, very hard, and it's a one-day process. Yes, yes, and I'm so glad that we have you on the show because a lot of time people try to um, make it seem as though um, grief for, from grandparents is insignificant, which... Um, grieving grandparents have a voice and I'm that's why I'm so glad that you are here today Miss Tippy because I wanted you to be able to share you know how that ha how that experience of trying to you know support your daughter but yet you have your own feelings of your own loss for your grandson can you share or, and talk about that yes it, it's hard I'm talking about you know I know with a thought that it would occur in my family like a lot of people right now who lost, they never would have thought. And it doesn't matter what kind of background they had, it's through all walks of life, mm -hmm. you know. I don't care if they stand in the mansion, suburb area, the projects, 
it just doesn't hit one area. It's, it's hitting all areas and it hurts. And it's not the older people we seeing, we take it to the graveyard. It's the younger people. We was coming up in our days, we just fought and everything and, and hey, play it again, mm-hmm. same day yeah, and get over it. But now it is hell. It is, you know, and so you don't know, don't ever say, oh, they ain't gonna never have nobody in my family. I never said it, but I never thought it would happen, but it did. Yeah. And I'm a living, walking testimony to that. And you're you know? also a, a, a grieving mother from losing your son um, due to gun violence. Can you talk about your son, um, Jesse? Yes, that was my that was Tippy number six. Miss Lockgate was that name, Tippy Six. And he was my last child, my third son. I have three boys and three girls. And I was at work when it happened. And it happened on the one hour peace leaders days when he was shot. Martin Luther King birthday, January 19, 2015. And he was just like daddy and 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 and, and Taki, mind their own business. And he, he was a he was a person. He didn't bother nobody. He was quiet and everything. And I believe in, I don't know the reason why, but he's gone, and it hurts. I just went. He was just twenty nine, December fifth. And it still hurts. You think about them. Then the birthday's coming up. And then it's just like uh, everyday life occurrence may come up. Just like I think about when I do steaks, he always tell me, ooh, Miss Lock steaks be better than yours, mama. Mm-hmm. So I said, won't you go to Miss Lock house and let her cook you one and give me mine's back. But he takes it anyway, you know, good memories. And then when things like that occur, that would, Good men bring tears to your eyes too. Yeah. You know, because they're not physically here with you. Just, uh, you're going through mental and emotional things, even then when they're gone. And he left three girls here and everything. And I'm talking about, so I'm going through it, you know. And uh, when I visit one, like I say, I visit them because the Jesse's right here. My mom is in the middle and dad's on the other side of her. So when I go and put flowers, you know, hey, I have to do all of them. Yeah. And I do stay out there a lot because I want them, like, they walked around nice. I want where they rest in that look nice also, you know. Yeah. But I just want to tell everybody, you know, it's, it's a hurting thing. But God is good. And one day, my joy will probably come. You know, it don't come the next day. Yeah. And when the time my joy to come, the good Lord will send it to me. You know, things that we go through in life, these are our teachers. And when we travel this journey, it is called life. And you don't know what life going to bring you. You just have to take one day at a time and pray and ask for the best. Yes, absolutely. So what have been, um, what have been some ways that you both have learned to... And I know, um, Chandra, you said earlier, it, it, it's a lot of 
um, your healing has come from your grand your granddaughter. But what have been some of the um, other things that how you guys have adapted to the losses? What have been some things that you can share with other people, like things that you have been able to do to, you know, like help you guys move forward? Help us move forward. I say we just lean on each other mm-hmm. more. Um, I actually pray a lot. I got a app on my phone. It's like Bible verses. It, I you can set it for any time you want. It it comes on. It's called Bible, like the hashtag Bible, mm-hmm. and you can set it for whatever time you want. Some people might set it for in the morning, but I set it for lunch because my mornings will be okay. You know, sometimes you, when that evening hit, you might get a little crazy. So at yeah. 12 o'clock, my Bible verse will pop up. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. Um, definitely the pictures, the memories, um, stuff like that. Um, And it helps. Like you say, reminiscing. That's, and memorials. We do have memorials every year during their birthdays. Okay. And we go to the cemetery. Shannon don't go, but I, I, I'm, I'm normally the one in this lot. We'll go there. We'll eat. We may go to a restaurant. We may have something at home and everybody get together. Yeah. You know, and that helps. You know, yeah. and it keeps their memory alive, not in a negative way, but a positive way. Let them know that uh, we moving on. But you all are still here with us because they are forever in our hearts. And love does count, you know. Love is what love does and family counts and matters. No matter where they're at, in the graveyard or living. You know, and some people even ignore their family members walking on this earth. But we take not to do that because we are love. With the capital L-O-B-E. And for me, it's like the kids, the children. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm always with a house full. Ooh, like geez. I enjoy that. Even though they be loud and playing and running, I be screaming the house sometimes. That's what I enjoy. Everybody bringing the kids to me. So she, I have everybody. She a good one. She a good one on that. <laughs> I, I can't do it. <laughs> well, I, well, look, I know that's to be true because Tyke stayed there. You know, he he loved to be around you. I mean, he just always. Um, the one line that I can never forget in one of his songs is, you know, when he talks about Shandra God, mama off top, you know, he just, you know, he just really looked up to you and just really appreciated you just being such a very, 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 and I can't say it enough, significant part of his life, um, showing him the love of, of having that motherly love um, when I wasn't even there. Um, you know, because, you know, he was with his dad, you know, and um, shortly after his stepmother ended up leaving, um, there was no mommy there every day. But you play that you fit the role for him. And I truly, truly um, appreciate that and just give so much homage to you. So thank you for just being um, a love in his life. Uh, um, you know, having that motherly bond. Um, all three of you, all three of you were just, re- I mean, the aunt, the grandmother, you know, all three of you were so, such a, a big, huge part of his life. And I'm just so grateful to each of you. And even after um, Taiki was shot, you guys were still there, you know, um, helping him through, you know, the mental health that he was, you know, having. I think such a big part of after the trial, well, before the trial, Taiki really wanted to make sure that he was um, going to be able to bring justice um, for the family. And I was so proud of him for yes. um, 
because that was difficult for him um, I know. Up the weeks up until um even weeks after he struggled so much with his mental health and um i remember us all being at the courthouse and um you know there was days that we had to pull him out there was days you know mm. we had to go calm him down and he definitely didn't appreciate you know remember so he had a lot of uh, police officers following him every two <laughs> seconds and he couldn't stand that you know y'all know how dunk was right <laughs> he don't like the popos anyway but when they had to you know because he was the key witness um to this criminal trial um they had to follow him to the restrooms you know down the hall or he went outside you know and he just really didn't like that but um the, his reaction um to the verdict uh was a huge hug to miss tippy first um uh, <laughs> you were his and first hug. hugs <laughs> boy he will hug you and squeeze you so tight yeah so yeah, I'm my baby too absolutely and before we go i want you guys to share any other memories of daddy and also um um, just a, a a family story about him or just what was what would be since i'm going to air this for um um the death anniversary of kendrick what would you want the world to know about him that he was loved i'm talking about him his name was kendrick he should have been loved you know because he showed he was very compassionate i remember he was little and he let the puppy get out on T Street and Gonzalez, and the puppy got hit. And he put the poor puppy, he carried the dead puppy in his arm, crying. And his face all took it. Now he can tear face up when he's crying. And I feel so sorry for him because he was going through this. And who picks up a dead puppy off the street as a little child? They'll leave him down there. But he picked that puppy up in his arms and bought the puppy home to be buried. Yes. He was just a protector. That was like one big thing too about him. He didn't play. Yeah. About family, he was he was, he was the man of the house basically. Yeah. You know, and and I miss that so much. I, I do. Like I always wonder, like what would he be like? Even both of them, what would they be like? Now they probably still be at the house with me. <laughs> with all their friends piled up in the room, getting on my nerves, sneaking girls in when I <laughs> when I wake up, see girls going in the room. Like they was doing all that, but I, I just I enjoyed them. Yeah. Like I I really did. And it's, I after that, I, I was just like my man, my love, all my boys was like, he just was, the, he was so strong. I just, that's why it was so hard for me because I know he wasn't invincible, but it was just so hard for me. I just couldn't believe that my firstborn, my protector, my man, my baby is not here with me no more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, me, I say, that smile and that big old chin, I used to call them crimson chin. <laughs> and him and Dunk with them duck feet. Oh, like, yes. duck feet wasn't cool until they came about, like, until they exposed that. Mm -hmm. And the two-step dance that Chandra brought up earlier, they used to call that the boogaloo. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they'll get in front of us and they'll say, come on, let's do the boogaloo, auntie. And we'll hit the boogaloo a little bit. Don't say it in one of his songs. songs yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, like Chandra said, they used to sneak them girls over there. One time she was in the <laughs> hospital and I pulled up and the girl, I read her lips. She said, they say, oh, that's auntie. So the girls say, oh shit, what should I do? And they say, man, that's our auntie, but she cool. Watch when she get out. Watch how she talk to us. So when I get out, I say, Chandra gonna kill y'all, y'all effing in her house. And the girl, she was like looking crazy. And another girl come out and they happened to be the one that got pregnant by daddy. So it was just, them boys was crazy, man. They, they really... They really was, and I miss them, love them to death. It's like, man, it's just the memories that really keep me going. Like, it's hard, especially the whole month of December for me. And then coming around into January and February, it's like these three months is like so crazy for me. Absolutely. I think that's for all of us because we got... We have December 17th all the way to, okay, January is Taiki's death anniversary. January 25th. Then you have, then you have, then you have um, Taiki's birthday and then you have Keandrick's birthday. So that's what I always share with Jesse got shot in January. He died February the 2nd. Wow. Right. Who else? You said your brother and who else? They, they, birthdays. Cause Jesse birthday, um, I mean, yeah, Jesse birthday, December the 5th. Wow. And so then really December the seventeenth, then my grandmother's death date. That's right. And then January, don't yeah. and Jesse. Jesse got shot, but he survived until February the second. And wow. then they birthdays and my granny birthday, January the twentieth. So it's just like everything bunched up in yeah. these three months. It kind of do drive me kind of oh, yeah. crazy. I trust me. I I totally understand that. I feel that. Um, and when a lot of time when I talk to a lot of the other women that are part of the gun violence prevention movement, I try to make sure that they are aware that, you know, it's just not that day um, coming up towards December 17th. But for, for me, for five years, I lived with so much anxiety and panic attacks um, up till the time period before December 17th. It would really, really mess with my insides. It would mess with my chronic pain because I suffer from chronic pain. Um, I would be in the hospital. I was in the hospital five years straight um, surrounding the time before December 17th every year for five years. And I didn't realize it until I started getting those doctor bills and start realizing now this is a pattern. Every December, you know, I'm here in the hospital, but I was, and it would always be this very unknown diagnosis but um they just end up you know saying oh you have fibromyalgia or you know because i was having also having a lot of heart problems too um at the time but just didn't realize that it was the anxiety and um me having panics of panic attacks about this time period coming you know Mm -hmm. i would literally freak out um and you guys the crazy thing you know i'm way here when i get the phone call and have to drive four and a half hours to get there you know, um, you guys are already there. So I can only imagine. I remember the last um, uh, December 17th that I talked to Psyche. I, you know, I said, I said, I'm not going to even call him this year on December the 17th. Let me just allow him to um, talk about it if he feels, you know, 
free to talk about it because you know everybody was always just trying to check him check in with him around December 17th you know for those couple of years and to my surprise I called him maybe two days later and I said hey how are you and he says oh mom doing pretty good sounded very well and he said um I said so how did you do you know um you know on the death anniversary he was like oh man I did good he was like you know I went to work you know, um, just, you know, sat, sat around the house. I didn't go to work the, the day of, but, you know, he said he was doing well. And then he told me that he had this um, spiritual, um, this common spiritual experience about daddy. He said he was sitting in his dad's car at his, when he, cause he was staying with his dad. He was, they had a, I think a, a car that was working, but was just sitting in the, in the driveway. And he would just go in there and sit from time to time, I think just to get out of the house. And he said he had this experience with little daddy coming to him. And he said, mom, and this is why I knew it was such a, a real experience for him because he said he wasn't young anymore. He had a full beard. He was older. He, his hair had done grown out. He was like the age that I am now. So oh, he sorry. was 22. He was, he was that, he was that age. Um, Cause they were getting ready to turn 23. But he was like, yeah, he was older. You know, he was, he came to me in his older form and he told me, man, we got to get this music out here. We got to get this music. So Taiki was trying to prepare, you know, mentally to put out some more music, but of course it didn't trans, you know, transpire into an album, but he had that experience. And I truly believe still to this day that he did, even when he didn't realize um, that daddy was, um, had died first his experience of what happened, he know he was shot first. He didn't remember yes. daddy being shot, but his experience was daddy came out of the car and was shaking him to wake him up. That we know that didn't occur, but that was his um, spiritual his spirit experience. could have done it. That's, right. that's what I'm saying. Daddy's spirit came right. to him. That was his spiritual experience of what was happening, you know, even in that time. So I, I, I'm saying all that to say that their spirit still lives. Their, st their spirit is still alive. You asked me earlier, how my soul, um, uh, how how my how have I, you know, become so strong? I, I don't really necessarily see that I am strong in this aspect because I have my bad days too. I still suffer with this pain inside of you know, because I felt so angry at one point. Um, why didn't you just take him on December 17th? But why did we have to go through this twice? You know what I mean? And y'all know that for yourself. Right. Why did you, why did we all have to experience this two times? You know, why can he just be, you know, why didn't you, why didn't he just die that night? I was angry about that part with God and, um, having to experience that again, I think just living through it and then finding ways to heal myself, which I have created self-care plans, which helps me breathe, which helps me work on what I'm feeling and not to suppress my emotions. That's a big, huge thing that if all of you could share with your family members, like, you know, I know y'all say y'all talk about it and everything, but not to put, say if the feeling does come up about him or about them, um, don't suppress it, feel it. And if it's hard to feel, it's okay. Allow yourself to feel it. That's the point with us is we don't know how to not suppress because we've done it for years, um, for uh -huh. centuries. You know, our ancestors did that too. So we have to learn how to actually feel that negativity, those words that we say to ourselves that are negative. We have to learn how to just, you know, sit with them. And if it's sadness, if it's mad, if it's whatever that is, allow that feeling to come up and then let it just go away. 
but we can't not deal with them because that does other internal stuff within our bodies. Um, I, I, a big thing for me was meditation, um, listening to my favorite music, which is jazz and um, um, keeping a journal. And, you know, I love my candles and I, I, I do a lot of self-care stuff for myself. So that's where a lot of my strength comes from. And I'm just so grateful today that you guys are in the movement talking about gun violence and talking about how it has affected your life. Um, is there, I, I want to ask you all, and anybody can answer this. Um, if I was to say, what is grief? Tell me what your answer is to you. What, what, what does that mean to you? Grief is what? For me, grief is being able to, it's like a self thing for me. Like um, me personally, a lot of times I do hold it in, but a lot of times I do tell people, hey, grief, you know, let it out. And a lot of times I don't even do it because like I said, I have to be strong for everybody else. So grief is, pretty much what you make of it, I can say, like, what's best for you, you know? So, yeah, I say it that way. Sometimes I do have bad days where I'm not a big crier. So, like, I will maybe cry in the shower. I don't really like crying in front of people or something like that unless something is going on at the moment. You don't like to cry, you won't cry. She will cry. I said, if it's at the moment, yeah. I'm not huge on it. <laughs> yeah, she don't cry much. So, like, that's what grief is to me. Like, dealing with it in your own way. Whatever works for you is your own particular grief. And and, and Miss Tippy, answer this one for me. Grief is not. Grief is not hate. Sometimes you, you have to turn it around you know because it, if, you, if you get like that it takes away what you're trying to accomplish and get over you cannot overcome with hate and hatred yeah. you know you dislike and at the moment you may hate and hate is a powerful word but if you don't let it eat your insides up you will overcome it. Yeah. And, and Chandra, you said something very important. You said it's not easy. It's not. For me, like, I don't want to hate nobody. It's your true feelings. But, like, when I, I mean, it's okay to feel how you want to feel. Yeah. You know, my baby was taken, so. You know, I ask God to take it out of my heart, you know, because I don't want to feel it. But right now, today, I still do. Mm -hmm. Maybe further along down the line, you know, it might change, but like, that's my baby, and I miss him, and I need him with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you, ladies, um, so much for coming on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk and sharing your story and being just as open um, about 
the tragic loss of losing Kendrick um, and his best friend, Taiki, uh, Mr. Slugmo Douglas. I truly appreciate uh, you guys just being here today, just giving the opportunity for other families to be able to know it's okay to share your story and, um, on, and, and to be able to do it for many different platforms. Um, here on uh, It's the Miami Night Show, this is a place for a safe space for um, all families. Um, so I, I'm so grateful to all three of you. Thank you once again. Thank you. I was saving this for the 17th. Okay. But I had this made. Can you see it? Yeah, I can. Oh my gosh. You're going to have to also send me a actual I will. picture of it so I can. Um, oh, that is so. You see, cool. I got my yes. boys up top. That was <laughs> the last did. picture they That's took. That's the last picture. Yes. Yes. I have that on my. Um, it's on my screen downstairs. So, you know, they pop up all the time. Cause we I didn't even a, know that. This is my first time seeing it. Oh, really? Yes. No, I have it on my own. Um, she was saved it for the 17th. Oh, it's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, look, you see it first here, you guys. You've seen it first here on It's the Miami Night Show. <laughs> so you and free promotion for <laughs> Greg. He does good work in Pensacola, Florida. I will send you his information so you can post it. If anybody in Pensacola need any work done, he does good work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I definitely will just make sure I get a copy of that and I will go ahead and post that um, when we share this video. Um, is there any, any of you like to share your social media platforms um, at this time? It's Latibia La L-E-T I be like him, boy, E-R-I-A, lock, L-O-C-K-E. You can add me. I'll add you back. I share stuff about them, pictures. I might write on a page one day just to tell them that I miss them or may share something that they once, you know, put on there sometime. Taiki have tagged me in raps and stuff like that. Daddy wasn't a real big Facebooker, but Facebook had just came about right before, you know. Right that happened, but I share his pictures and I, like if his, like if we do something as a family, his kids are there. I share pictures of Kiani and Kim, Kimi, which we call them, that's their nicknames, Kimari and Kiani. Okay. Um, I share stuff to their pages and stuff like that. So, and I also was trying to get something going for like siblings mm -hmm. that have lost because we go through things as well as the parents and the grandparents as well. And, you know, it's never easy for us. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. Like I said, thank you guys for being on the show. Um, I look forward to um, working with you even further, getting this information out and we will talk again soon. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you.
my face, I been hollering about you straight. Told the police you was safe, seen like yesterday. We were riding, chasing money just to make sure hit okay when you come home to get your cake. Seen like that conversation keep on playing in the back of my ears. Coach. Coach. 